Welcome to It's the Jacket. I am Dave Demarest. He is Anthony Dottavio. What is up, my friend? What is going on, sir? Nothing. So we are officially in the second half of season two with episode seven, D-Girl. Very uh, good and- episode. Very good episode. So let's give a quick summation. We start off with a scene with AJ uh, crashing his parents' car into, or kind of colliding. And then we got Chris. He's uh, kind of venturing into the movie business a little bit. We got Pussy, really strong Pussy episode. Uh, he's kind of torn between being a rat. He's told he has to wear a wire to AJ's confirmation. Uh, so a lot going on in this episode. Any uh, initial thoughts? Uh, fantastic episode. A lot of different moving parts. Uh, we've had this conversation before where there's a lot of sub stories. But this one seemed that every sub story actually had a point to it. Sure. I felt um, done really well. Um, you see the, what's it called? You see the defiance of AJ doing things that, you know, uh, you mentioned him crashing the car. He basically got spooked when the car wasn't even near him. I, I, I you know, <laughs> I felt like my, my, uh, my wife was driving. Um <laughs> But he got spooked, and you know, then you see him talk to, uh, you know, Pussy, who is uh, his uh, his sponsor, right? And, um, so you, you see him torn between wanting to, you know, make sure he doesn't have to worry about going to jail, and then also betraying his fa- like people that he considers family. But I. I it's just weird with him. Like it, it gets weirder and weirder. I feel. So, where do you think? What do you think um, were his motivations in this episode? Do you think he was he was torn? He was he felt bad about what he was doing um, for Tony's sake, or do you think he was fearing for his safety? I think it's kind of the former at this point. I I think that he's he's on a downward spiral, um, and we're going to see more of this conflicting stuff throughout the next couple of episodes between being hot and cold with this whole situation. Right. Um, so I, I think you can, I, I think you're right when saying, I think it's all self perseverance and he's realizing his windows are closing. Sure. Um, and, and the hold around him is getting tighter. Um, but also you mentioned a big Christopher episode and, Really, like, you know, I I thought Christopher was fantastic in this episode. Throughout the whole episode, the many different arcs he had, um, him being on the set and really, like, you know, getting a taste of the whole uh, movie business, so to speak. You could see, and I guess we've all kind of been in the situation maybe where we've been at a job for a long time and we're just kind of looking around at the same people every day and you're like, is this all there is to it? And I think... That's this a perfect kind of... analogy. That's a perfect analogy because you see something different and it, you feel like it automatically calls to you because it's new and interesting. Right, right. So we see he's walking around. He, he's, you know, he sees Janine Garofalo, Sandra Bernard on the set of this movie. Um, he's he's kind of like, he's kind of like interacting with all these like big name people like John Favreau. And, you know, it, it's, it's different, you know, because he, he, kind of just sits around and bullshits about he has there's a really good scene that i don't have on my favorite scenes but i can talk about it now you know the scene where 
he's at dinner with Adriana, Carmela, and Tony, and Carmela and Adriana are talking about produce, and Chris is just like, "What the fuck? This is all we all we ever talk about is like lunch meat." And you know, I have a quote like... from that. I have a quote from that scene, but okay. we'll get into that later. I'll save it. I'll save it then. But yeah, but... this is these are kind of the conversations that he has every day, and maybe you know, once in a while, it's cool. But when you're doing the same shit every day. I kind of see Chris's feelings in this episode. Oh, yeah. The redundancy of everything. But then you see it changes right away once he realizes that it ain't so special on the other side either. Right. Because these people essentially reject him because he does. He, he makes some he, he makes some bad decisions that we'll get into when we talk about uh, our favorite scenes. But he, he does kind of rub a lot of these people the wrong way and kind of gets shoved back into his his regular world. Definitely, definitely agree with that. All right, so why don't we just uh, get right into it? We'll talk about our favorite scenes. Uh, the first one I have here is I have it, uh, Tony, Carmela, AJ. This is after AJ's crashed the car, and um, they're kind of lecturing him, asking him what he did, and he, you know, he, <laughs> AJ just kind of goes into this, uh, <laughs> starts talking about like what is the purpose of life. He says there's no God. He goes, why were we born? And just all this like philosophical shit that was it was kind of funny. Uh, if that was thing. not the biggest teenage angst you've ever seen in a, <laughs> in a scene, I, I don't know what it was. It was uh, he goes, life is absurd. Like you know, <laughs> this kid is thirteen. I, I you know I remember being thirteen a little bit. It's it was a long time ago, but still you know I I don't remember questioning everything about life like that. But you know we're in, we're in TV, but it was just. And then, and then you see uh, Meadow chimes in, comes in a little after, and they start talking going back and forth. Yeah. He's like, go to your room. <laughs> and we, we kind of saw this a few episodes ago where when Meadow uh, trashed Olivia's house and t- Tony and Carmela kind of like didn't know what to do. Same question. He's like, why were we born? And Carmela, they just kind of paused for a minute and just like, uh, we were born because of uh, Adam and Eve. <laughs> like, they they are the most powerless parents I've ever seen for being two strong people. Yeah, they just like never know what to do. It just shows like people in positions of power are sometimes just as dumb as everyone else. I have to agree with that a hundred percent, but we won't go too far into that. <laughs> uh, what's the scene you got? Um, I have the um the meeting between Skip and uh, Pussy at the house. Oh, yeah, good scene. Um, you see Skip coming to his house early in the morning, trying to pressure him about a, a murder that took place in, uh, I think it was Pennsylvania or Connecticut. Right. And, you know, he, you know, Skip's like, you know, you're acting like a guy who's not facing 30 to life of moving H. And then, like, Pussy comes right back at him. You come to my house 8 o'clock in the morning pressing me because you're getting shit. Right. And, and you know, give me, like, you know, and you see, like, they just, like, it seems like they're, like, close, but they also seem like they, like, just, like, hate each other. Right. And, yes. So, it's, it's like, he's getting pressure from somebody, but, you know, he's the FBI agent. So, whatever the situation is, he's, he's in charge here. I thought it was kind of ominous that I didn't have this initially in my questions, comments, concerns, but the, the fact that he lives next to a cemetery... <laughs> 
<laughs> just kind of I didn't even realize that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just cut kind, of, kind of foreshadowing for what's going on. But yeah, good. It's a lot good of foreshadowing scene. when it comes to David Chase. Yeah. Um, what's well, another scene you got? I got Chris on the set here. I thought, okay. I thought this this was a good scene. We see, uh, you know, it's it's always cool. I, I, you and I obviously are both interested in like movies and what what goes on behind the scenes just as much as we are what makes it to the screen. And it was just this movie, uh, Female Suspects, that was directed by John Favreau. It's, it was a lesbian crime crime movie that's what it looked like i think that's what it was because it, it, i think it was a continuation because they made another lesbian movie i think he wasn't the director as much because i i think the other one was the director like a woman yeah yeah i think he, he was been, a producer yeah it could have just been a consultant yeah so yeah you got that right um so it, it was cool seeing them and this is uh uh chris's cousin's girlfriend amy or fiance took him to the set and they were talking about the script. And obviously she hyped, she's John Favreau's like executive assistant and she kind of hyped him up a little bit. So um, they knew who he was coming in. So it was, it was cool seeing these guys interact. And then Chris inadvertently helps out with the dialogue on this set. Bukiach. Yeah. So we get, he gets, he gets like a little taste of this life and, you know, people looking, looking up to him a little bit that who aren't, you know, Paulie, Sil. And, and the thing was, it was all fake. If like you know, when you get later into the episode, because they were just using him, because they were trying, because he was trying to make a movie, uh, a mobster movie, John Favreau, right? And um, he basically trashes his movie like multiple times. I think he trashes Swingers. Oh yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I got notes on that <laughs> for a later scene. But yeah, it, it was, it was pretty funny. He, he. Uh, I guess like initially, you know, they like what he has to say. So I guess he get, and we see like Chris maybe get a little too confident with these people. Yeah. He, he thinks he's, he thinks he's closer with them than he really is. Right. Yeah. We'll get, I got another, I got another scene involving uh, this angle. That I think also, we do. I think we have the same one too, but de- definitely we'll get there. All right. Uh, what's one you have? I have the scene in the pizzeria. Okay, cool. That I think that's like the next scene with them. Yeah, that's um, I like that scene because you see them talking, and it's the first time he trashes his movie. Um, he's like, you know, <laughs> he was talking about, you know, oh, I could play this gangster. He goes, you know, not so much. Um, maybe Vince Vaughn, you know, like he really just like dis- disrespects him in every sense of the way. But then he also goes into the story about the woman with the scarred face. Right. And you get the, the big story there about the, the gangster who didn't realize uh, that he, there was a transvestite ends up finding it and then completely destroys this woman's life. Uh, it's, and they loved this story and they loved it so much that it ended up being uh, a later on in the, in the episode, uh, a big thing. Right. And yeah, he tells he tells Favreau, it's like you tell a director of a movie uh, to his face. Well, I don't think he directed. Uh, he didn't direct Swingers, but um, just tells him there like, there was a pussiness to this movie. And you see Favreau's face. He, he like kind of like is like this, this guy serious. <laughs> and then Chris, you know, he talks about his acting. He's like, well, I wouldn't want to act unless I could play myself. And Favreau just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's really noble. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I could play Joey Gallo, but, you know, I, I'd rather really play myself instead. 
Yeah, so really funny. And th- th- they're going to have another interaction later that I'm sure we both have uh, in our notes here. What's another one you got? I got the scene with AJ and Livia. I, I think this was Livia's only scene in this episode. Mm-hmm. And this was um, Pussy sent him to go talk to Livia because he's struggling or whatever. And uh, Pussy couldn't really reach him. So, you know, Livia's just throwing her anecdotes out and uh, says, yeah, Uncle Pussy sent me. And she's like, oh, his mother's another one. <laughs> just, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then uh, talks about crashing the car. And, th- th- you know, Livia's always got these like horrible stories about things that happen to people. She talks about a group of people who hit a, who hit a tree and were incinerated because they didn't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> so what do you think of Livia's one scene in this? Uh, I think she played to her strengths of being the most negative person ever. <clears throat> this was actually a little bit sad for me, this scene. Okay. Because you see the, 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 her life starting to deteriorate in like real life. Cause like the, you see the side of her face drooping. Cause she was going through all these medical issues while she was filming. Sure. And you just see the deterioration. She was such a great character. And if she was, if she was healthy, I think she would have been around the show a lot longer. Oh, Definitely. Um, and I would have loved to see her arc later on um, and some of the shit she could have pulled. But it was tough seeing her like this, but it was a good scene between the two of them and her negativity just reigned supreme. Absolutely. Um, what's another one you got? Um, I got two more. Sure. Um, one of your surprises is me. I brought up the dinner at the restaurant. Okay. Um. You see the three of them sitting down, and then Christopher gets there late. He already looks aggravated to be there. Right. When he first comes in, when he almost walks into the waiter, and they start talking, and they start bringing up marriage. And then Christopher really just, like, embarrasses Aid uh, in front of Tony and Carmella. Right. And you just, you know, you you see that, that when you mentioned, you see that he's just sick and tired of all the same plain regular shit that he goes through every day and it just really showed where he just like literally walked out of the restaurant disrespected like through the 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 wine into his food and then just walked away right just yeah he's just had it at this point and you know i like like we said in the beginning we've we've all been there at some point and it is kind of fr- his frustration boils over we see it in that scene and usually, you know, if you do something like that, you probably feel bad about it after. I think we see that a little bit towards the end of this episode. I ain't seen that. I don't think it's him feeling bad. I just think it's him realizing that this is as good as it's going to get for me. Yeah. Well, because we'll talk about in my next scene here, we could uh, kind of piggyback off that. The the scene with Chris and Favreau, which is kind of like uncomfortable to watch now. Yeah, really it was very tough like to to see that and like how he was just like nagging him and everything and then like trying to choke him out and then point a gun at his head well we start we see the scene he starts off he's he's doing cocaine so he's he's coked up in this scene so we that probably has an effect on his behavior and favreau kind of like want doesn't directly ask him kind of but wants to know if he's killed anyone and this is this is where Chris like kind of starts roughing up, up a little bit, and you could see like he tugs at his shirt a little bit to see if he's wearing a wire. And and you see that he's just basically doing what he would do with everybody else, right? 
um, with the people at the Bing or or them like they, how they mess around. Yeah, and, and Favreau doesn't take it very well. Yeah, but this isn't yeah, this isn't you know some guy at the Bing. This is an A list movie director, so you you could see. And then he he makes another crack about swingers, saying the acting sucked. And he compares it to Saving Private Ryan, which is like an all-time great movie. Just, and, he, and you see Favreau, he's like, you really can't compare the two. Just, because it's kind of unfair to try, you know, that's a movie about Normandy. This is about, about a guy getting, trying to look for a blowjob. Right, so right. It's kind of hard to, like, you know, compare it. And then you see uh, Favreau not feeling his script. And <laughs> the, the, the roof is soft tar. That's, that's like one of the adjustments that he makes. And you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, Chris. That's 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 great. And you can tell, like, when you're in a meeting with someone, you just want to get out of it really quickly. That's kind of like the look on John Favreau's face. He's like, I never want to see this person again. Yeah, that was, and that was the last time they saw each other. Yeah. Um, what's what's one that you have? Uh the last one I have, the confirmation. Okay, yeah, I got the party too, and. Uh, yeah, and that just, was just a big one, and, and so many different storylines going on in this. Um, you see Chris coming back, trying to talk to Tony, and Tony tells him, like, you know, really, just, you know, make up your mind what you want. He goes, "This is your, this is your decision time." He tries to talk to H. She wants something to do with him, and says, "Oh yeah, she's on the rag again." No, you were a douchebag. So that is why every, nobody wants to deal with you. And then you have pussy struggling after they caught uh, AJ smoking weed in the in the garage with his friends in confirmation, which was just hysterical. And then you see pussy trying to help him and talk to him. And then you see him get really, really emotional. And that's when they start hearing him cry in the bathroom through the wire. Sure. So you see this juxtaposition of Chris on the steps when he kind of just gets up and realizes, like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in on this. And we also see Pussy in the bathroom crying. So stock up Chris, stock way down Pussy, kind of just simultaneously going. I don't think that's by accident. No, I, I, I enjoyed that part because, like, you see Chris just sitting there, sitting there thinking, and he's like, okay, it's time. Right. Right, I, I dabbled into this other world. Didn't work out. Um, this is this is where I'm comfortable. This is where what I'm good at, and let's go. Very good. So, I yeah. don't have any more scenes. Do you have I'm any do- more? I'm done as well. So we can uh, swing right in the quotes here. Uh, swing because my first quote is uh, when he's talking about swingers. He goes talking about Febrero. It was swingers. He could suck my dick. That swings too. Ah, oh, shit. That's what I had to. Did I? Okay. Yeah. I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of a lot of cross here. All right. What's one? What's one you have? Um, I'm gonna go with the one I had from the uh, restaurant when Chris is complaining that all they talk about is produce and everything. He goes when Tony yells at him, "When you're married, you'll understand the importance of fresh produce." <laughs> and you know what? That is a really true statement. As a married guy, I understand fruits and vegetables are very important in a, they, in a nice in a, in a nice home. Let me tell you. Yeah, no, I, I I'm not married, but I also I I value produce as well. What's another one you got? I got AJ uh, in the scene with uh, 
Carmen Tony, and he goes, death just shows the ultimate absurdity of life. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Somet- sometimes it does, AJ. So good good point. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I got Livia. Go ahead. And I'm saying it's all a big nothing. What makes you any makes you think you are special? Now we talked about that. She loves to say that. She loves to put people down. Right. <laughs> um, another one I have here is from Pussy when they're in the batting cages with his son and AJ, and he's like, "My son don't hit sacrifice flies." So not not a big analytics guy, Pussy. <laughs> not a not a uh, not a money ball. <laughs> not a buddy ball guy. <laughs> so that's one uh what's another one you have uh i go um hold on he goes well your choice uh, i think this was tony well your choice is suffering you want to start now move your <laughs> ass and this is when tony's uh talking to aj about yeah. uh like you know like basically tell him to go to his room when you mentioned that before he made that quote uh-huh so I, I just thought it was funny, like the dad just like tell him get the fuck out of here and go go to your room now. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> um, another one I have is not like it's because it's a great quote, but but it's just something that like you, I it's something like that res you remember all the time from this episode, and it's just Chris making the adjustments to this, him and Favreau making the adjustments to the script, and he's like, the roof is soft tar. He gets he gets so excited about this dumb dumb adjustment to the script, and I guess that's you know as Rick James once said, cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, I had one more. Um, the one I had was um basically uh, Favreau is talking to Christopher on the set when he goes call her a bukiak. You know they're from Brooklyn and everything. He goes, what does it mean? And he goes, because Janine Garofalo didn't like the fact that she was getting called a bitch. And he says, oh, it means cunt. And you just see her face drop like, oh, okay, this is not better. <laughs> um, I think I got two more here. All right, go ahead. It's on you now. All right. Uh, I just like Skip getting like, <laughs> Skip get, got hard for a minute there uh, when he's. Oh, uh, in the truck stop? Yeah, yeah. He's like, who the fuck is sponsoring you, motherfucker? Like, oh, whoa. He was like this kind of like mild-mannered guy. And then you could tell someone's on him about, you know, we need to get some information on these people. And yeah, he got right in Pussy's face. He's he's had enough. Yeah, he's he's wearing thin. And the last one I have here is, you know, I, what, I always love when they, they work a quote into the episode title. And this is where Chris kind of realizes, yeah, these these people aren't my friends and he yells at uh shit what's what's her name uh, amy. What? Amy. amy yeah 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 he called it fucking d girl and this <laughs> she's like I'm a, I'm a vice president you asshole so, that whole that whole setup that she cheated on her uh her fiance with her uh, co- with his cousin uh, it's just a really fucked up terrible scenario. Yeah, terrible. And you could tell she was like, she was attracted to him right away. And then, you know, once she got to know him a little bit, it was, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, Greg, who's a lot safer. And well, uh, she liked the fact when uh, the scene where they're at the club and, and she just goes up to the guy and they just run out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So good scene. I, li- I liked her in this episode. 
but it, it was good. She was a, she was a one and done because I don't know how much more they could have done with this character. I agree with you on that. All right, don't forget about it. I I have two here, and it's the one's kind of simple. I think we might have even talked about this in season one a little bit. Uh, Chris in the movie business. This isn't going to be the last time that we see him stick stick his toe in the water. Uh, I have that as well, actually, as one of my don't forget about it. Okay. What's another one you got? Uh, the other one I only had two was uh, Pussy. His constant back and forth with this. Okay. His his internal struggles and everything, it's just, it's not going to be the end of it yet. Right. Definitely not. Um, I had two as well. My second one was AJ feeling dread about the world. We're gonna, we're definitely oh, gonna yeah. see more of, yeah, we're definitely gonna see more of this throughout the show. Um, okay, nitpicks. Uh, you go first because I just got one. Uh, my nitpick, I have two. Okay, uh, I'll go first with. I, I don't know how they made Pussy the sponsor. Like he's so <laughs> close with, he's so close with Tony. He's the sponsor and everything. Yet a couple episodes prior, he got passed up for a promotion. Right. Right. Maybe this was before all that. Maybe it was AJ sponsor like years years back. This was something I don't I don't know uh, what's the, the format for this. Like how far in advance you set these things up? Could have been could have been years prior, and he was just kind of grandfathered in. Not sure. Um, no, what's the pick uh, I have you is, have is you know these guys are so careful, but when they do dumb shit like pussy. Asking Tony directly at the party about Wisechuck, like here we won't uh, be hearing from Wisechuck anymore. And Tony just like no neighbor of mine. You can tell he deflects it really quick. I don't know if Tony realizes right away something's afoot, but this is kind of similar to the situation with Jimmy in season one, where he's like directly asking him questions, and like nobody really directly asked Tony about business, and Tony's doing it in at a family party just uncharacteristic for him even though he probably he might have felt some pressure from skip from the previous scene but probably could have went about this in a better way i guess there's a better way to do it but yeah he was so direct i don't think tony realized anything because it was the party and everything and he wouldn't think of it right then and there but yeah uh, another nitpick i had was skip in this episode because he was really back and forth and it was a little weird for me like, you know, you see him upset when he first gets there about uh, trying to find out about this wise truck. And then he calms down and then he flips out at, at, at the truck stop when he's trying to find out information. Right. It's just it was just weird for me. It didn't make sense. Fair, fair. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, he had a he had a long arc in this episode. All right, so that's it for nitpicks. Uh, friends of ours, the first one I have here, uh, Alicia Witt as Amy. She kind of had a moment in the late 90s, early 2000s. I remember her in Urban Legend. She was also in Vanilla Sky. And then she just popped up recently. She's been in a lot of things. She's steadily worked. But the only thing that I remember seeing her in was that movie, I Care A Lot. Did okay. you see that? The, the nursing home movie with uh, Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. No, I don't believe I did. Okay, it was really good. She had a small part in that, so I recognized her right away. She kind of, she, you can tell she, she got a little older, but she still looks pretty similar to where she, how she looked here. Um, I will. <clears throat> what's it called? She was also in the original Doom. Yes, that that's correct as well. So yeah, she had she had a moment where she was kind of present, and now she she still works steadily, but she might be a, a that girl at this point. 
I agree with you. Um, I had Dominic Famuso. Okay, that was my second. And he did a huge arc on Nurse Jackie, which was also with Edie Falco. Yes. So he did that, and he's done a lot of steady TV work, it looks like. Not too many movies. Not that I saw, but... Yeah, no, he's he's worked pretty steadily. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been in a few things. I, I had him on... He had an arc on Homeland, too. Yes. So, yeah, another another that guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I, the second one I had was just kind of John Favreau. It was kind of just cool that he showed up in this episode as himself. I gotta be honest, I don't know too many things he's been in. Okay, yeah. I, well, obviously, he directed Elf, uh, made Swingers. Obviously, he's. I was, being, the... I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm, an <laughs> I'm idiot. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm well sorry for that then. <laughs> no, he's, Maybe he's been in like everything. Like, I, yeah, I'm yeah. a very big fan of him. Um, I'm, I've seen him in a lot. I've seen a lot of his movies. Like, weirdly enough, I've seen a lot of his movies. One of my favorite movies with him, though. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, PCU. I have seen it. Not not in a long time. I but like I, him I, in that. He was really funny as the stoner guy. <laughs> I, th- I think I'll probably wind up editing that part out where I, like, mansplain John Favreau <laughs> No, I think it's better if it stays in, buddy. All right, cool. Yeah, let's just keep, let's keep this whole, let's keep this whole shit. <laughs> uh... I had one more just because I was a big fan. I don't know too much else she was in, but uh, Elizabeth Reeser. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, she was uh, in Twilight. She was a small scene in here right at the end, but uh, she was Esme in uh, the Twilight Saga. Yeah, yeah. And you pointed this out to me last night. And I was like, huh, really? Because she was in this episode so quickly that if you blinked, you missed it. And I, I went back and looked. Because, you know, it's like one of those scenes. It's like... Uh, I don't even know who she was meet Amy was meeting with, but she like so and so was ready for you after like her and Chris's fight, and she she was in this I don't know for like ten seconds. I, I just noticed a fa- she has one of those faces. Definitely, absolutely, yeah, very very unique face. All right, uh, questions, comments, concerns, probably an unanswerable question here. I'm curious, what what did Chris say to those guys in that club that they all got up and left like right away? What could he have possibly have said to them? If they leave, she'll give them a blowjob. I think that's what he told them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, he probably threatened them, or he probably let them know who he works for. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know if these guys guys kind of look like uh, Wall Street guys. I don't necessarily, if, if they drop Tony Soprano's name there, do they know what that means? I don't know. But whatever he said, it, it was effective. Um, I have a question. Go ahead. He, you know, it's uh, the scene with um, AJ and Pussy at the body shop. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? You got to learn the respect of a car. Yeah, go get yourself a drink. He gives him a 20. I drink to that much. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I don't know what Pussy, that, well, it's his body shop. I don't know what he's charging <laughs> in his vending machines. It could be expensive. Maybe inflation suffered right there. Right. Uh, but that's all I had on questions, comments, and concerns. All right, I got two more here. Just, you know, funny little anecdote. I think I mentioned this to you yesterday. Uh, Chris's cousin's name, Cousin Greg. So kind of like a little foreshadowing a little bit for his succession. Uh, so it should be. <laughs> and then uh, uh, one who that doesn't age well. With Amy's waiting for her meeting, and she's reading the newspaper. And she's like, wow, Robert Rodriguez is doing a remake of Viva Zapata with Harvey and Bob. 
and she's talking about Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein. So, oof. <laughs> yeah, it did not age well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it on uh, questions, comments, concerns. Trivia. You, you first or me? I'll go first. Sure. All right. So, in the restaurant, um, Christopher gets there. Adrian tells him he ordered something for, for him. She ordered something for him. What did she order for him? Ooh. Um, was there an antipost? No, yeah, but she had, he had a plate in front of him that she ordered special for him. I don't remember. Pasta Fazul. Ah, oh, okay. All right. Was there an antipost involved or am I on that? Yeah, no, you're, you're correct. It was an, they got an antipost for the table, but I she she specially ordered him positive result because she knows he likes it. Okay. All right. Good question. You, you stumped me there. All right. Maybe mine's easy. I don't know. So we had an episode here with John Favreau. So I did a John Favreau theme question. Okay. So his directorial debut was the movie Made with Vince Vaughn, Diddy, Peter Falk, amongst others. Really good movie. But also had a lot of Sopranos actors in it. So it had three to be precise. I'm going to give you four. Who, okay. Which of these is not in this movie made? Is it Federico Castelluccio, Furio? Okay. Drea De Matteo, Adriana? Ada Taturo, Janice? Or Vincent Pastore, Pussy? I'm going to go Drea De Matteo, I believe. Okay, it was uh, it was actually Janice was not in this movie. Ada Shit, Tatero. I knew it was one of the women that weren't in it. Yep. <laughs> uh, she was, uh, Drea De Matteo played a girl in a club. I believe Vince Vaughn tried to pick her up. Okay. Ironically, that, you know, Adriana in this episode was kind of talking how she wanted to meet Vince Vaughn so bad. Yeah, but she wanted nothing to do with him and me. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awards time. Okay. MVP of the episode, where'd you land? Um, we were talking about this. I was going back and forth between uh two, which Christopher and, and Pussy. Okay. I ended up going with Christopher. Okay, perfect. Because I wound up going uh Pussy. Why'd you what uh, out? Christopher's what about episode, Christopher? Like, you know, you see him, you know, start out like low. He went zero to sixty really quick in this. He had a lot of range throughout the episode from being starstruck to thinking he was more than he was and then going right back down to reality and then feeling the humility at the end. I think you just so many different uh, perspectives in this one episode from him. Yeah, no, I can't argue. That was, it was really good. I kind of feel like the reason I went pussy was kind of the same reasons you just cited. I think both of these characters kind of had the same, arcs just in opposite directions we see the scene and i probably should have put this in my favorite scenes because it was a really good scene the scene where he's putting the wire on himself and his wife is just kind of banging on the door saying she needs to use the bathroom to get herself ready and he's just kind of like really torn and we see him like tackle his wife and his son comes in and we see just like how broken he is in this scene and i thought i thought that was a really good scene really good acting by him and then he ends up crying in the bathroom. So I think Chris and Pussy kind of had a similar style episode. Just both of them, one stock up, one stock down. So I think both of those are viable picks there. Very nice. Uh, how many boxes is Edie? I went uh, eight and a half for this one. I, th I thought it was a really strong episode. We were on the same exact page. I said eight and a half on this as well. All right, cool. Excellent. 
what is something good you watched this week? Um, I watched the, uh, we'll go right into it, the Dexter finale. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a lot of mixed mixed reviews on it, but we're on the opposite end of this. Yes, but, we uh, are. Um, make your I case. thought the I thought the ending was fantastic, and I thought it was perfectly ended this time. Okay, so wh- why do you think it was perfect? Um, because I think this is how it should have ended originally. Okay, I think it it had to end with him either in jail or dead, and. I think it was the best way. I'm a little upset because I really wanted to see Angel see him. I thought that would have been cool. That would have been great. Um, other than that, though, I think it was perfect. I think it was a perfect ending for it. Um, I like the fact that um, the woman who was the officer, uh, Angela, yep. was and nobody else could do it, but she figured out who the Bay Harbor Butcher was. Oh, she had him dead to rights. Like she, she figured it out like right away. Well, she was a very smart uh, detective, but uh, well, sergeant, whatever she was. Yeah. Um, but I, I and I like the fact that right before he gets killed, his son says to him the same exact quote he uses in the first episode, and open your eyes and look what you've done. Yeah. Which was so powerful, and you see him. You see his face like change, and he's like, "I know it has to be done." And he tells him, and he goes, "Because basically, <clears throat> he finally broke the code." Yes, because all these other times he thought he's done the right thing, and he's never really strayed from the code. Um, and he's always been basically right with who he's picked, but this time he he killed for self perseverance, like he was on. Full tilt in this whole in this whole episode, and I really, I I just loved how they ended it. And he told him how to shoot him and everything. Wasn't mad, and then he basically says, "I've never loved anything before, and I love my son." Yeah. So I, I, I think it ended the way it was supposed to. Now, why are you on the other up uh, the other spectrum of it? So let me just let me just preface by saying I love the season. I I thought the season was great. I thought when it ended, I thought the final season of Dexter, the show, I thought the whole season was awful. And then the finale, by the time we got to the finale, I was just like, I don't even care. This was terrible. So was the whole season. I don't give a shit anymore. I was checked out by the time we show him as a lumberjack. Uh, I completely checked out of this show. Completely agree with you. So I thought the season was good and I had no problem with him dying at the end. I just, the scene where he killed Logan, I just thought, why did, he could have knocked him out. He could have a million other. This was just, it was a dumb moment for him. And I, I just thought, I, I think one of the things we like about Dexter is that he gets into these like impossible situations that most people would immediately fold in. And he kind of like either through brute force or intelligence, he finds a way out of it. And you're like, Holy shit, that was fucking smart. I wouldn't have never thought about that in a million years. And that's why we kept watching the show to see like, what's he going to do next? And just, I just thought he kind of be, they, they wrote him kind of like an idiot at the end. I don't think so. And I'll explain uh, why I think not because he didn't want to lose Harrison. He, He didn't really like, you know, and he was willing to do anything. So like I said, it was basically him, 
on a full mental break. Like he finally lost his ability to find a way out of it regular. And he, like I said, broke his code and killed for himself. Right. And he's never been for that. But um, I get, I get why it's a little confusing that, you know, he kills him, but when it happened, when I was watching it, um, you know, me and my wife were talking, and like, oh, God, how could he, he never kills anybody. Right. As soon as it happened, though, I was like, it's going to set up Harrison killing him. I knew it right away because how much Harrison loved his coach, and his he was a good man. Even Dexter said it while he had him, while he was choking him. You're a good cop, and you're a good man. I go, he goes, but I have to get out of here. And then you think he was going to give him the keys, and he reaches for the gun, shoots once, and then... I guess he could have knocked him out, but he basically just snapped his neck. Yeah. I, right. I I really thought it was after what we got the last season, like you said, it was a pile of garbage on fire. It was right. just awful. Nothing made sense. Nothing came it's like they rushed it together. Um I feel they wrote a lot of the wrongs in this one. Definitely. I, I... The season as a whole, I just, I just, I wasn't happy with the ending, but I really enjoyed it. I think they rectified what they did seven years ago. I, I thought they fixed it. I, you know, this would make me more inclined to revisit the series as a whole because after the first finale, I was just done. I was like, this is, this show is essentially dead to me. I did a rewatch before this, and it is like the last couple of seasons are so dreadful to watch. Right. I will. I liked, um, well, season four I have is like one of the best seasons of anything ever. And I then, think it's but, one of the best seasons on television of, of of a show. There's a couple of shows that have better seasons, like, you know, right up there. But one of the best seasons is season four in Trinity. Yeah. Hands down. Um, there was a lot of seasons I liked, though, in this. I, I liked season three. I loved Miguel Prado. I'm a big Jimmy Smith fan. Sure. Um Season one and two were great, like the great start of a show. Uh-huh. Um, season five, I didn't mind because John. I'm a I'm a Johnny Lee Miller fan too. As Jordan Chase, he, I thought he was really he did it well. Did well with it. He was good. And Julia Julia Stiles was in that season. It was. And then season six is where I started falling off a little bit. That was the uh, the Colin Hanks Edward James almost season. Yes, and they were both really good in it. It like yeah. you know, they, they they played well, but it just didn't make sense. Good. Well, it was a good twist. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see almost as being imaginary happening, and that kind of threw me for a loop there. Um, most Def was in that season too, and he was pretty good. He had pretty yes. dark. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't up until season eight, and this is kind of like something uh, Showtime does is they kind of run their series into the ground. Like Dexter got eight seasons. I think Shameless got thirteen. So they they tend to. Homeland was another example of a Showtime show that was like amazing, and then it wore out its welcome like towards the last like two or three seasons. And yeah, I gotta agree with you. Like they, like you know, it, if Dexter would have ended after season six or seven, I think it would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's another. We're both. Uh, I know you're into Yellow Jackets now, and it's for season two. I'm just love the show so much. 
And I'm like, is Showtime going to somehow fuck this up and make this like an eight season show? I, I really hope not. I hope they, <laughs> I hope they keep the the car on the road. I'll be honest with you, a show like this, and we can get into that because I'll let you bring that up in that episode because I, I think we're both we're both at the same episode now. Yes, I'm all caught up now. But um, a show like that, four seasons tops is all you need. Yeah, yeah, and this is kind of like um, it made me think of Prison Break. Did you watch that? <sighs> so don't get me. I was so disappointed the last few seasons, and then the remake. Like that, yeah. that that new season was just well same same <clears throat> principle. I was I was like, what are they gonna? This is gonna go more than one season, and you know season two I thought was good, but then season three was season one just in a different location, and I was like, okay, well this this is all you can do with this this <laughs> type of show, and keep it going too long. So that's why I'm I'm in for Yellow Jackets. I just hope they they land the plane correctly because it's been one of the best shows I've seen in a while. I I am I have to say it may be the number one new show of the of the year. Yeah, can't uh, can't argue there. Love it so much. Um, let me seg into. I watched the season premiere of Euphoria. Do, are you on this at all? I've never seen an episode yet, but I want to start watching it because I hear nothing but good things. Okay, so I save this for our show and not the. Um, dollar theater pod for a specific reason. So uh, the season premiere, just they came at this. Sh- this show's been off the air for about two and a half years because of of COVID. Yes. So it was it was literally May 2019 when the season premiered, and it was eight episodes. So it was June 2019 when the season ended. So yeah, about two and a half years since we've seen these these characters. So in each episode, they kind of frame the episode around like a character's backstory. So we see like the characters who are in high school, but we see them as like little kids and you know, why they're the way they are. So there's a character in the show named Fez, who's a drug dealer. And we kind of got his backstory in this episode. And we see that he was abused as a child and his grandmother raised him. And his grandmother is played by none other than Catherine Narducci, AKA Charmaine Bucco. Very nice. Yeah. And dude, (laughs) dude, she is gangster as fuck in this show. She's like all tatted up. Like the first scene she comes in and the guy abusing her grandkid, she just walks into a strip club. He's getting a blowjob and she shoots him in both of his legs and then just leaves the club. We see, we see her later. She's got a crowbar. She's just beating the shit out of a guy with a crowbar. And it was just like, holy, I was like, Charmaine is going in. Somebody probably sent back the rabbit a la Buka. <laughs> but yeah, I was really glad. I was like, holy, I, I just love how HBO does this. They kind of like re they recirculate their familiar faces uh, throughout their shows. I, there's so many examples of this. I, I think of uh, Aiden Gillen, aka Carcetti from The Wire. He went on to Game of Thrones to be Littlefinger. There's just, I mean, I there's a million examples of this happening. Oh yeah, well. Uh... I don't know his name, but the guy who plays um, in The Wire, uh, the cop, the bald cop. Um, the, 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 bald, the bald cop. Oh, uh, Herc. Herc, yes. I couldn't think of his name. And then he was in Entourage. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, Dom. Mm-hmm. Dominated. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, oh, but yes, they do that a lot. But they're all great characters, and all like they're all uh, a couple of them were in um, Carnival, right? Yeah, and H- this isn't an accident. HBO knows what they're doing. They're they're like, okay, you know, I just mentioned a Sopranos character to you. Maybe that's going to make you want to watch Euphoria now. Maybe it's not. I don't know, but maybe it will, and you'll start watching Euphoria, and. HBO counts on people having conversations like this, and it's not by accident. Well, let me tell you, HBO really does know what they're doing, and because they'll put a bunch of familiar faces from shows that you really love, uh, aka like shows like Deadwood, shows like um, what's it? Our list was another one. Yeah, they have all these shows that have certain characters in it that you see all the time. In all their different shows, and then they'll put a couple of big stars in. And we even see uh, Michael Imperioli. Chris is in, has been signed on to the next season of The White Lotus, which is probably going to get people very excited. That's another one I got to get into because I keep hearing I, I did I was... like Station Eleven. I got to get into. Yeah, everybody's telling me all these good things because I, 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 HBO really hasn't had a good show in a while. I felt. Okay. It was a lot. There was a long stretch where they really didn't have too many great shows, and then all of a sudden they just started blowing up again. Yeah, yeah. They're. They, I mean, they're the kings now. I. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see anyone taking the throne anytime soon. It's just kind of like everyone's hoping for that silver medal. Well, that's the thing, and and, and that's what I'm saying because they had some great shows too, and then they would just cancel them, and like. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw this show. It was uh, Tim Robbins and um, Oh Jack, um, Jack Brink. What? Yeah, yeah, I remember the Brink. It went one season with uh, Jack Black, right? Yeah, I really thought that that was a great show, and then they just gave up on it. Or when they gave up on Vice Principals after two seasons. Well, I think that was because I think that was all they agreed to do. Dan, I don't think I got canceled. Danny McBride just, just I think Eastbound and Down went like what three seasons. No, he's found down in five. Okay, and yeah, because they started like righteous. They started righteous gemstones almost like a year after the after uh, Vice Principals. Okay, so yeah, he's. Do you watch that? Um, I saw the first season. I haven't seen the new season premiere yet. Okay, yeah, they went they went in hard on Sunday. They're uh, they're making this a really really dark comedy, and I'm I'm in for it. I I I love anything Danny McBride does. I'm I'm all for. I, yeah, I like him. I think he's hysterical. Right. Yeah, just, yeah, brilliant shows. Everything he's done on HBO, I've seen every episode of. Good talk about that. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me at Twinkie730 on Instagram, or you can follow uh, me and my friends at Arcade underscore Wars on Instagram, where we uh, have some competitions with video games, uh, belts, talking trash, and... Um, like pay-per-view events. We got another one coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I was, I was following you guys. The uh, the old school video games that looked like it was a lot of fun. It was until I lost. And then it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Uh, you can follow me at DDAM2000 on both Twitter and Instagram. We have an Instagram for this show as well. It's at It's the Jacket Pod. Um, if you want to talk about Sopranos or any of the movies or shows we just talked about with myself, Anthony, or a bunch of other people, you can join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group. We are the red cover photo. Type that into a group search. 
we're starting our third TV tournament this weekend. Ooh. Who's your pick? Um, I don't know yet because I really want to. I'm hoping for Cobra Kai right now. Cobra, okay. I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, scoff at that. This this uh, last season, I don't was... think it's ready. I don't think it's ready yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, yeah. I well, the thing I like about it is, I mean, maybe from me, just seeing like the voting patterns and everything, I, I could kind of like tell what I think is going to win, and maybe we'll talk about that uh, off mic. But you know, it's it brings awareness to a lot of these shows that people didn't. I know a lot of people started watching The Wire after like people complaining about it losing to whatever it lost to a couple of years ago. And I know like The Wire wound up going further the second year because of people were like aware of it a little bit. Well, I think that's what happened with um, William Zapka as Johnny Lawrence and the character one where he basically made it to the, I think it was the third round in his first try. And I think he'll do a little bit better in the next one. Definitely. Definitely. So that, yeah. So that'll be fun. But yeah, hopefully Cobra Kai goes, goes far because it deserves to. Oh, Definitely. My friend, uh, just for the listeners, we are off next week. We'll be back in two weeks with our, our signature episode, my friend. It's the jacket! <laughs> yeah, so that'll be, uh, I think that's just, that's all my quotes. Next, I already have that written down. Just, I don't need any other quotes. Hey guys, if you're just going to listen to like 50 minutes of just saying it's the jacket, I just want to know now, just so you're, you're ready. We're not even going to be here. Say it's a jacket at least thirty six times. <laughs> I'm just going to record that David Preval audio clip, and it's going to be on a loop for like forty five minutes. I that's it. That's the episode, guys. Thank <laughs> you. We'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> uh, I think the name of the episode itself is Full Leather Jacket. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, but you know what? It, it, that is one one of. You know, I used to be happy wanderer, and I told you, I think we're going to get a, a very big score in the next episode. I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. But My friend. It's going to be a great, 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 great show in two weeks, people. Definitely. Looking forward to it. It was great to talk to you, my friend. Always a pleasure, Dave. Yep. And we will see you in two weeks. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody.